Welcome to True Alignment. I'm Ken Sagendorf. I'm Edgar Papke. We're looking at each other like he's going to start today. Hey, welcome yeah. to True Alignment, everyone. Yeah. Uh, we're coming live in the Gronowski Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University here in Denver, Colorado this afternoon. Yes, we are. <laughs> As always. That's funny. You have never not gone first. I know. It's, it's Yeah, it's just looking at you. And, okay, there we go. Uh, and as always, questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all that you'd like to share with us, info at truealignment.com. You can go to the website and visit us there. Um, as a matter of fact, as uh, our topic today, we're going to be talking about teams, 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 uh, an ongoing forever, um, probably never ending topic for leaders and for organizations, teams at all levels. We're talking boards. We're talking about executive teams. We're talking about work groups. We're talking about innovation and design groups. Uh, what are some key traits and characteristics that make them work is, uh, is the topic of conversation. And uh, the reason we chose it as a topic is because it's been coming up so often of late. And so how do you, how do you assess? And there's so many models out there. Uh, everything from the Lencioni work and um, um, uh, you've got the... Uh, I'm trying to think of that the uh, the modeling for high the high performing team player modeling. Um, there's uh, there's just a wealth of information out there and different approaches to it. Yet when you step back and you look at them all, the same distinct set of characteristics um, show up. Yeah, and um, so we thought we take we take a, a little walk down memory lane and revisit some of the work of the past around teams. And share that today and have a conversation about it. Yeah, we, we talked about teams earlier on in the, in the podcast. And Jim, do you remember what episode we were at um, in that one? Yeah, I think it was episode eight. Okay. Um, yeah, super early on because we have we do do so much work around this idea of teams. Um, and, and we had the ITC team in here last week, right? It was the first time we had an entire <laughs> yeah, on team the podcast, on the podcast. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that that connection between the work that we're doing and, and who we've been with recently. But yeah, this one does come up a lot, Edgar, right? I mean, it's kind of, uh, there are, there are things that people forget to pay uh, attention to with intention. And, and teams is one of those things. Um, and, and you say, you know, I've heard you talk to audiences a whole lot and um, you know, you always have a phrase around, you know, you need to do something before you define who's on the bus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's true because you don't know what the ideal person for your bus looks like until you look at some of the other characteristics of what, what you're seeking in your team. Uh, one of the things that when we start thinking about team members, high per, what is a high-performing team member? It's so easy and we spend a lot of time looking at expertise and competencies, uh, what kind of training people have, the experiences they bring with them. And, um, of course, a personality and blend and the right fit. So how does that person fit your culture? And unless you have some sense of defining the culture, then we're back to the, uh, back to the adage that, well, if you're not doing culture, it's going to do it to you. <laughs> and that happens so often with teams. So people start just getting the right people on the bus that they think, yeah, they can do the job, they can fit the roles, competency and expertise-wise, only to encounter all the problems and and then having to backtrack. And, and very often, 
and we know this from working with teams through the years, if you start going down the path to alignment, you will, you'll start looking at how to replace team members. It's inevitable. And uh, if you don't uh, find truth in that, I'm, I'm afraid you're not, you're not looking closely enough. Well, we should just say, and it's okay. Um, right. I mean, I it think is. that's, that's been a lot of our work um, watching the discomfort of a, of a CEO who realizes that um, they don't have the right teammate in the right place in the organization and, and to get to that realization. And, and they, once they do it, they completely understand that it needed to be done, but there's so much reluctance in there uh, at the beginning to, to do some of those things. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of leadership work, Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, you know, I'm going back to the podcast when we hosted Jay Schreiber here too, because, you know, he was doing a lot of this work when the team was just him and his co-founder. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, a lot of leadership work will start from this idea that once you have the mission, vision, values, everything is good from there on. Right. And so even when we do our alignment work, like that's not absent. No. But but we do work after those things have been defined. Absolutely. To make sure that the alignment keep, is part of the organization. And to keep coming back to it. Uh, and we will inevitably get there when we talk about what are the seven key characteristics that are always going to be there. Much like, as you mentioned uh, before we run on the air, another good resource for this work is to also is the book that Tom Lockwood and I wrote, um, Innovation by Design. Yeah, for sure. Which, um, by the way, the, uh, the chat... Uh, GBT, search. Uh, what are the top five books on managing innovation? And we're very pleased to let you know that innovation by design is in that top five list. <laughs> so keep Googling innovation by design by yeah. Edgar Papke and Thomas Lockwood, please. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Well, so let's talk about some characteristics of teams. Yeah. And, and it's such a broad topic. Hopefully we can fit in. Um, uh, something that brings value in, in for your time of listening here. So let's start with, with the why, which is what's the purpose and having a shared purpose. Um, and of course, all of our work around the true alignment system begins with that simple idea of human motivation, that human design piece that says, if we're going to have a purpose, we need to have a clarity of, of what, not just the depth of meaning to that, but also what it means to the customer. Because yeah. keep in mind here, we're, we're in pursuit of delivering a product or service to the customer that satisfies that need and desire. So we, we begin with that idea of purpose. Well, I, you know, I love our work because I, I think this puzzle right here at the beginning when we talk about that customer experience, Edgar, and, and, and that, that emotional need being met by the customer and how often inside of an organization, even ones that have strong mission statements, don't have agreement on what they're doing for that customer. So, you know, that, that statement of, of why we do the work versus how the work uh, translates, translates to that customer experience. Like there's often a gap there. And, and, you know, I know that when we're working with an organization, if we find that they get clarity on that part that goes directly to the translation to the customer, that's the shared purpose key right there. Yeah. And that's also the big emotional driver. And when you think about the why, it's not just having the clarity of what, what the meaning of that is. It's also the emotional element of it. 
So you see that happen. So that takes us to two more key characteristics, which is uh, clearly identified outcomes, shared outcomes that we individually and collectively are in pursuit of. And what does that look like? And being clear on that. And there's a lot of great systems to, to do that kind of work. The OKRs, uh, EOS, whatever it happens to be. The, the simple idea here is to make sure that there's a direct alignment between those outcomes, what it is you're delivering, and how you're going to deliver to satisfy the customer, and that how then aligns to your purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, Edgar, I'll rely on you to tell some success stories, but, you know, I, I'll just share a, a pitfall here because I, I think that we've seen this multiple times too. It's when the you know, we get to the point where we agreed on the shared purpose mm-hmm. and then a set of OKRs or a set of outcomes come in that are not indicative and not a measurement of those things around the purpose. Yeah. And you, and you can see that because, and this happens through an organization. So if you start thinking about more individualized set teams that are part of the organization, how well do the team outcomes then align to the organization's outcomes? And by the way, this is why th- the step one of design really is about aligning that intention of what you're doing and how it is that you're innovating your product or service. Because what can often happen is an idea can bubble up somewhere and that could be out of alignment. And being able to recognize that is important. We don't want to take away from that time for people to explore and, and think outside the box. At the same time, some, somewhere along the line, that's got to be back in alignment to that customer experience and what it is, or at least our sense of purpose and what that looks like. So, Edgar, a question for you. This idea of um, shared outcomes for a team, mm-hmm. you know, I, a lot of times, and, and we were talking before we got on the air of, you know, the new language around the great reshuffling um, <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, we were everything we were, that fits into the big, big umbrella that we use, which is the great alignment. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, that idea of the great reshuffling is that, you know, people in the great resignation were walking away and we, t- and we said, that's the reason for the great alignment. They were looking for something that they were in search of. Yeah. And now the great reshuffling is that many people are returning to the jobs they had, even though they don't want to be there. Right, or they found themselves in the same job, perhaps with an organization that they have a sense of is more aligned to their values and how they want to be treated. Yeah, so so this idea of the team outcomes, I think it's important to state that when these get clear, it opens up the opportunity for innovation, doesn't squash it. Right. Right, a lot of people think outcomes give you singularity, but really innovation comes from different ways to accomplish outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And again, alignment to the outcome and what you're looking for. And that then, if you pay close attention to that, that begins to translate into the aligned culture. Because how you carry that forward, and and this is where in the bigger picture, in the true alignment system, we talk about uh, the, the total alignment and that total experience. And the total experience is really about seeing it through the lens of that the uh, customer experience and the employee experience come into alignment around that key motivation and that underlying desire need that's represented uh, in the product and service that then aligns to the purpose. I know that's a lot to to kind of see, yet when you're doing it and you do that work, then you can start seeing that, that line of sight. 
yeah. um, to how those all come together. Yeah, this is where our graphics, because we're on radio, but this is where our graphics would be helpful. Um, I have a question for you. I, I absolutely agree that that aligned culture that comes into there. Edgar, in, in your experience, mm-hmm. do you find, how have you found the level of the shared outcomes to be? Because, you know, as I look mm-hmm. at organizations, what I often see is the, the level of the shared outcomes isn't at a level high enough to make use of an aligned culture, right? So if, if the shared outcomes are at too low a level, and I don't know how, I don't know other well, words. I think, I think what happens is when you cascade, when you cascade your purpose and vision, so your vision is your uh, desired future state, right? And that includes your product service and customer experience and includes your culture and, um, all the different facets of strategy. And I think what happens when you start breaking it down through the organization, uh, people lose sight of how they're contributing individually at the team level, collectively as a team, and then more so collectively as the organization scales to that uh, that set of outcomes, which really is about the vision and the purpose. So I think it gets um, diluted as an easy word to use. But I think, yeah, I, I agree with you that very often when you ask and you look at teams and we have, we get to bring directors of an organization into the same room yeah. and man, you can hear it. You can, <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. And when you start asking the question of, and we, we can graph this and ask where are you aligned and where do you think you're, and where do you think you're not aligned? And it's just remarkable to see that, um, that ability of a group to identify the misalignments yeah. And um, because the misalignments are represented through the conflict, the conflicts that show up, and sometimes it's it becomes a weakness within a team, a smaller team in an organization that believes so wholeheartedly in what they're pursuing without having a clear understanding of how it connects to the greater, yeah. to the greater good. That idea of individually and collectively help us be successful. Yeah. And I think that's a really great lesson for new leaders and people that are building new teams and organizations as you scale is that ability to speak that language, to create that kind of clarity all the way down to every single person knowing what their individual contribution to that success is. So one of the, another characteristic, you know, there's, there's out, there's culture and we're going to need to come back to that. When we start talking about high-performing team members, as I mentioned before, there's the competencies, there's the capabilities, but there's also that sense of knowing how they contribute to the whole and what they can bring to the party that way. And then you start coming back to the culture piece. What's, what does a strong team culture look like? It's very measurable. You can see it. You can observe it. How decision-making takes place, how conflict gets managed. I mean, one of the key characteristics of high-performing teams is open communication and conflict. People need to know the rules of engagement. They do. Because personality typing, it's wonderful to understand how we're alike or different in our behavioral patterns. You've got to find some alignment in terms of how conflict, how decisions are made. How do we deal with those difficult conversations of feedback within the system? Because without that, how can we ever expect to individually, collectively improve? Well, and this was that work of innovation by design, right? With those, with those organizations from around the planet mm-hmm. that, that we identify that those organizations, they have clear processes and a way of doing things inside the organization that people know. 
Yeah. And really, there's two that stand out that team members really need to, to be uh, uh, for better uh, into, you know, developed in and, and taught and to come in alignment with. One is that idea of, of how to manage conflict through curious confrontation. Mm-hmm. The idea that uh, inquiry and empathy and listening skills become so, so important. Now, we all speak that language. Oh, yeah, they're really important. But how often do we take the time to develop those and have conversations in the team of how well are we listening? And we heard that from the from the uh, IT concepts group last week in the, in the podcast of how important it is to be able to to be able to work at that level where you can really hear each other and have some trust in, in being heard, which becomes such a key element. <laughs> and, and which then is a part of that problem solving because that's the other one. We know from all of our work with organizations and surveys and the data tells us very clearly that one of the key misalignments that teams suffer from is a lack of problem solving process. Yeah, People are not taught how to solve problems well and if they are good problem solvers, it gets individualized rather than collective. So collective problem solving is why we have teams in the first place. Yeah, that's a really great point, Edgar. You know, a lot of times in organizations, we see the the individuals rising to the top and overcoming yeah. the... There's a, there's a great group that we had the opportunity to work with uh, a couple of years ago, um, um, which is uh, Rio Grande, which is the uh, Berkshire Hathaway company. That sells um, that sells jewelry, and uh, you know I th- they have the largest inventory of um, supplies uh, for jewelry makers. Uh, just an incredible, incredible organization, and part of their, in a way, their transformation and a cultural transformation was getting a clarity that, and here's the alignment piece: their their main purpose really is to build a community around jewelry artisans. And so professionals and the amateur mm-hmm. jewelry makers worldwide, that's their market. And what they discovered was that building community was actually the essence of their brand. Now, how to internalize down into teams means that we have to work collaboratively. We have to build a community inside the organization through which we can connect to one another and solve problems and innovate together. We can't individualize it. We can't uh, R&D and, and uh, market discovery and, and everything that they were working at had to be done collaboratively. Now, not everybody in the organization was thinking or working that way. Teams were very often engaged in the us versus them. Yeah. So that begs the conversation of what does it look like in the team and what does each individual team member then need in terms of development and development not just of competency, and rather also of interpersonal skill that makes that come to life, that makes that work. Yeah, I just, I w- I'm just wondering out loud now, is, is this really uh, the swing and a miss of, of organizational development? Is that these things, which seem brutally simple, <laughs> are actually the most important things that need development? I, yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, and you can see it, you can feel it, and talk about a swing and a miss. As I was in Charleston last week, and shout out to Bill Murray, for, former Regis student, yes, yes, who hit a golf ball off the rooftop, or a few golf balls, and 
Well, anyway, hi, Bill. So his baseball team is the uh, Charleston um, River Dogs. Uh-huh. I got a hat. I love the hat. <laughs> it's a dog chomping on a bat. It's just lovely. What you see Bill Murray in everything when you go to the ballpark, the employees are, are all Bill Murray-like. Even okay. in, we, we sat with the announcer through part of the game, yeah. uh, Lori and I, and we had such a blast with him. Hello, Ken. So, uh, the, Ken, the announcer. Sure, sure. And, and I got to tell you, the employees all had this flavor, this playfulness about them. It was like being in the presence of Bill Murray through the ballpark. It was just wonderful. And the alignment to that, having fun. Let's just get out there and have a good time. And everybody's having a good time. And you can tell the employees were all engaged and just having so much fun and having fun with the fans. It was so contagious. So you get that sense of how important it is and how that essence of a team will show up, which is very, very different than the group of scholars that we have here at the university. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was fortunate enough to... Uh, golf with Bill Murray, not not with him, but you know, in the same group with him, uh, because he was part of the class of 1972 here, and so that that group is a big supporter of our innovation center in the uh-huh. Sullivan Chair, which I'm not endowed Sullivan Chair here, but the um, you know we have to come up with a movie reference with Bill Murray now. Yeah, come know, on, our producer James starts smiling when he heard him doubt. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the Bill Murray movie reference here? Everybody having fun. Everyone having fun. I think it's just um, the uh, the the energy in Ghostbusters okay. that he carries through that hole. I mean, because that that's a uh, when you think about risk and you think about if if you if you try to shift that all into any sense of reality, somebody that's working in emergency having that attitude, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. You know, and I, it's, it's funny because I would, I would think about uh, Scrooge when he turns and he finally realizes he's got to recover all of this, right? He brings out the fun mm-hmm. and you really get the contrast between his, uh, before the ghost of, of Christmas uh, past and Christmas present. Yeah. Um, and, and then he kind of changes gears, but uh, I'm a stripes guy. Like if you're uh, doing Bill Murray, yeah. you got to get to, you got to get to stripes, get the stripes uh-huh. right? Because it was this kind of a reverence for... Uh-huh. For everything around him, yeah, and so you can you can just hear it in this dialogue that kind of fun and that joy that shows up with that, yeah, which shows up in the ballpark, that sense of let's do things as a community at Rio Grande. Let's let's think about how this all works, and then the aligned leadership that's necessary for that. So aligned leaders that then can role model those quote unquote the attitudes and the way of being which are really deep psychological, emotional motivators that we're tapping into. In a, in a real intentionality of the leader. Yeah. And, and Edgar, I got to say, but it's, it's more than this. I, I think this is where um, organizations sometimes fail, is that they expect that the role modeling will be seen and experienced by the rest of the organization in a way. And so you know, I have a colleague, I'm going to go, uh, he's an alum of our MBA program, I'm going to go meet him tonight. He left working for uh, a major tech company that I'll leave unnamed um, because the the values espoused by the very high-level leadership, the very public values espoused, were not what he experienced at his level in the team he was on. And he really had a hard time with that misalignment from what the organization said it was going to be to what it what his lived experience was. So, you know, it needs to be more than just yeah. the, 
the the role modeling. I mean, when you see it in uh, the Charleston River Dogs, River yeah. Dogs, I got to tell you, because as you say that, the thing rolling through my head is the Savannah Bananas. And peanuts there are still only $3 a bag. Love it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, because it's an experience. And that's, you know, Savannah Bananas are really, they just passed 72 million followers or something like that on their Twitter feed. Like, amazing. Because they've made it an experience mm-hmm. yeah. for for the people and in it, the stadium, right? And and here's that key again. Let's let's come back to how important it is to be able to recognize that thread from the uh, employee experience all the way out to the customer experience and how they feed off each other because they're actually one. And when you get that oneness, that's where you get the high performance. Yeah, because that's the way of being. And so there's a big and here for leaders. It's not just what I what I do and how I role model. I also have to articulate the value that I bring with it. And, and revisit, right? I mean, this is, this is this idea. I think it's really important to share with our audience the idea of these alignment meetings, mm-hmm. of, of really assessing yeah. how in alignment we are or out of alignment we might be, mm-hmm. and, then, and then providing some feedback about that. Yeah, one of the things that we find when, whenever we, uh, you look at a team and you do the assessment of a team, you can see where the big pieces are and the problems are. And typically they're in three areas. One is conflict management. How well, how good is our open communication and conflict working and our curious confrontation? Number two is problem solving, right? We don't, there's not a clear process for problem solving. So you come back to that and you say, well, we have to, we have to use a process, a design thinking process, of, co- of course, is the, is the recommended love, approach. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, and you build on that, and that then you can build further with to to start having those honest conversations about how are we doing as a team? Let's look at these characteristics. How are we really doing? And uh, where where and how do we improve? And let's pro- and there is the opportunity to be able to reinforce the teaching and use of problem solving methodology. Yeah design methodology for innovation. Innovation isn't just limited to R&D and products and services. It's for everything, processes, systems. Systems thinking here becomes key. So when you start thinking about how am I going to lead a really great team, shared purpose, shared vision and outcomes, creating a truly and being able to define and articulate uh, an aligned culture, which, by the way, if you're out there and you're listening and you're saying, well, where's accountability in all this? It's embedded in your culture. If responsibility and accountability is not in your culture, you're, you're going to miss it. And yeah. so make it a part of, make it a part of well, life. That's part of those feedback processes. Right? And there you go. Yeah. And then you think about high-performing team members and you start thinking, well, they need problem-solving skills. They need to be taught how to co- manage conflict well. They need to be taught what decision-making in this in this group, in this team looks like. The big three. With yeah. some clear definitions. And and then you come back at the end of the day, you're talking about how what's our level of awareness? How do we assess, right? How do we align and how do we act? Well, and that becomes, the four. that becomes the root of your communication. It is. Right? So many it's times an organization thinks of communication as a – tool to disseminate information yeah. <laughs> rather than a, a conversation starter about alignment. Yeah, it is, which is then the ongoing conversation. Yeah. It's always back to alignment. Always. Always. <laughs> life. <laughs> hey, we're back to life because on true alignment on our podcast, we talk about all things what? All things all alignment. All things alignment and life and business and yeah. 
I can't wait to have uh, 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 Bree back. Uh, one of the members of the uh, of the IT Concepts team is going to be joining us in, in the next uh, couple of podcasts. She's going to rejoin us. Hi, Bree. We'll tell you later. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, she volunteered. She said, you know, you could probably do a really kick-ass uh, podcast on on family alignment. You know, and she goes, and I know a lot about that. So there you go. <laughs> so you can look in the future. If you want to dial in, we're going to be dial in. How old am I? <laughs> if you're going yeah. to click on. That's uh, where you, Jim, you should insert the AOL, uh, the AOL <laughs> sounds right, right there. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you got mail. Uh, yeah. All kinds of movie references right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can get carried away on this topic. Because one of the things about it is um, it's such a, a need for leaders to understand how to develop a team. There's one more addition here, which is if you take a look at the characteristics that we're talking about here, it provides leaders with a roadmap on how to develop a great team. Because early on, if you're not setting outcomes and objectives, if you're not creating clear responsibilities and role definitions for your team members, if you're not being clear on how it is they're going to succeed and definitions of success and how to get there, you missed it. And what happens all too often is that team leaders will take one approach or the other. One is I'm the team leader and and you're gonna things are gonna work my way because it's my style, my way of doing things. Ah, uh, yeah, we know how that plays out. And the other one is very often team leaders, and this is a conversation I had with someone last week as well is, well, if I give them the vision and, and everything, then they're going to find their way there. It doesn't work that way. Uh, even with, even with the, the most high-performing. So, right. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, from the very get-go when we talked about having this topic, I'm, I'm trying hard not to, to just bombard this with, with sports references. But, I'll go for it. But, but you know, the, the NBA, the idea has been that you buy the best talent, you put them all on the same team, and you're guaranteed to win. Right. Um, as a lifelong New York Yankees fan, the entirety of the 1980s <laughs> were the Yankees buying the best talent and not winning. Um, it just doesn't happen right. if you just hire expertise and put them in a room. They will not find their way. And Joe Torre brought them back together, right? As a, as a manager. And you see that happening because even uh, the Chicago Bulls, we all know uh, the tremendous amount of effort that was put into defining teamwork. Let's define what it looks like. Yeah. And so, and I find that remarkably powerful. And we use those kinds of sports analogies are often, well, you know, it's not a sports team. It's a business team. The likenesses of the different kinds of sports teams and how they correlate to work teams is amazing. Um, A basketball team works a certain way. Your team can work that way. A baseball team that's very much competency and role defined and role definitions is so clear. That's that works and it works in engineering groups and in professional services firms. It works real well. And still you come back to over and over. Here's the big and you've got that idea of, yeah, this is the way we function as individuals. They're still in the, within that role definition. It keeps coming back to what's your individual contribution to the whole and to the team. And what does that look like and how do you do that? The intersection of individual and collective success. Yeah, even on a cross-country team where everybody's out just trying to make their best run of the day, there's still an effort of pacing, people working off each other, yeah. and ways that you can you accumulate, accumulate 
um, the highest point value. Yeah. There's, there's a strategic team process that's taking place. We, an individual does not have to win the race for us to win the championship. Yeah. Hmm. I, I had just had a huge, tremendous high school track flashback right there with that, <laughs> with that analogy. Right. I mean, as a shot putter and a, oh. and a discus thrower being asked to run, <laughs> being asked to run period <laughs> in some of those races, because strategically we could win the meet there if we go. had enough competitors in each of the events. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, mm. the, the value of defining roles and clear role definitions, including then how do we define what a high performing team member looks like? Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, and you could just use that as saying, uh, yeah, your shot putting and your discus throwing was your main gig. That's what you did really well. The thing is, you, there were so many other ways that you could contribute. And yep. what that looks like becomes key to success for the team to be having those kind of conversations. And when it's not working, to be able to help those open dialogues. And, and only if you build a framework for people to understand it will you have the awareness for it. And once you have awareness, look out. Then you just take it to the next level and you, and you constantly assess, align, and act. And that's just your ongoing right, world. Right, right, Assess, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and align and act, and you're right back, and and you lean into awareness of what yeah. the team's all about. Yeah, uh, so many times we've seen this argument that that culture is just something that comes out of how people act. Um, not so. Not so. You have to it's be intentional the, about it. Those, uh, the way we do things around here to succeed, uh, the way things are done, uh, absolutely. Uh, everybody can interpret that differently unless you have a conversation, an ongoing conversation about it. Oh, Edgar, you're always bringing us back to setting the intention. <laughs> always. You're always. <laughs> uh, well, at my age, you, you're constantly questioning it, right? I mean, we've had the legacy conversation here on the podcast, and setting intention is key to uh, your legacy. Yeah, definitely. Um, key to everything. Just like alignment. It is, yeah. Well, thanks for the conversation. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, a lot of fun as always. And uh, if you're listening, uh, questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all. And uh, also, what we'll be doing on the, uh, on the uh, website is um, you'll be able to access and download. Um, it's a tool. Um, and, and here you go if you're listening. It's a tool that typically that uh, you can download for $50. And um, is there going to be a code? Yeah, so there'll be a coupon code. Hello, James. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, yeah, I was just about to chime in. What, uh, what you guys... How's your team at the, at the cabinet company doing? This is actually perfect because we're just getting ready to reorganize. Good timing, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, restructure our team. Yeah, so if I may... Um, Restructuring um, and reorganizing, I would suggest, if I may, uh, with the intention of being helpful, just call it. You're going to further align. We're going to we're going to we're going to work towards alignment here. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a couple of new players coming in, and yeah, reorgs um, and restructuring scares people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we're pretty small, so <laughs> it's literally four people. But, so, uh, hey, so two or more is a team. Edgar started to say, normally downloaded for fifty dollars. Yes. Our, our team alignment survey. Um, now with the code teams, we're going to sell it. Uh, we're going to, we're going to sell it at 29, not 30, right? The dirty 30, 29, 29. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Download that. You'll be able to use it. Um, yeah. 
for, for yourself and, and with your teams, and, and we can help you interpret the, the results. Yep, and realizing that you can share it beyond that, um, it's up to you how you do that. Yeah. Intention. 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 Hey, I'm going to call us out a little bit on the air. I had somebody reach out to me and said, I've been sending emails to the info at True Alignment, and we need to be better at responding. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, we can do that. Thank Absolutely. you to that listener. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. If you have any troubles downloading the team survey, just in email. <laughs> info at truealignment.com. At, at truealignment, all one word, dot com. All your, you say it much better than I do because I, I add an extra word in there that shouldn't be in there. So any comments and questions? Comments, uh, thoughts, comments, questions, anything at all. Thoughts, comments, and questions. That's right. Yeah, if you want to, you can always put concerns in there if you want to. All right, so I'll leave you with this. So Saturday, I get to go to the Taylor Swift concert with my daughters. Oh. So I, I don't have anything glittery to wear. Um, oh. So we'll have to figure that out. But oh. then the next day, we get to go to the Yankees game where they're here in town playing the Rockies. Well, you can probably uh, go to a sports shop uh, and uh, pick up a glittered uh, Colorado Rockies. Or, there you go. Or you can buy something at the at the show. I'm sure they'll be selling a lot of glitter. I'm sure they will. <laughs> or glitter Taylor guitar. I'm sure Isn't they will. Isn't it great that Taylor guitars makes the Taylor Swift glitter In, guitar? Indeed it is. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> it is. It's a real good thing. All right. So we hope that all the listeners get to go find something that brings them joy in their lives as well. Oh, yeah. And another quick shout-out goes to Andy Powers as the uh, president of Taylor Guitars. He launched uh, uh, Powers Electrics, which is uh, a new brand of a hollow-body electric guitar that's just fantastic. Awesome. Hard to get your hands on these days. I hear it's a really extraordinary guitar. So, hello there, Andy. Keep up the good stuff. All righty. With that, I'm Ken Sagendorf. I'm Edgar Papke. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Have a great day. You too. And, and live um, aligned. Live aligned. <laughs>